Welcome to Positive Talk Radio. We're glad you're here. I'm Kevin McDonald, your host for this grand adventure, and I thank you for joining us. You see, our mission is to create a positive personal connection to all things with courage and love. We invite terrific guests, interesting topics, and great conversation, all in a fun, entertaining way. And we always manage to learn something, too. So I hope you will stay right where you are for this episode of Positive Talk Radio. And welcome, everybody, to another episode of Positive Talk Radio. It is Wednesday afternoon, and Eric's here. How are you, sir? Hey, uh, just uh, as we get started here, you're uh, piping hot. Uh, on your microphone, so if you're able to nudge down just a hair, I think it'll I just I just did that. Oh, is that, great! That'll is that work. better? Yeah, you could even bring it up just the just a touch more. There we go. Testing one two. I think you're great right there. Awesome, awesome. This is this is live radio, so we always have a little challenge from time to time. Don't worry, we'll fix it in post. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and this will be a podcast, by the way. It's going to be on uh, Positive Talk Radio and PositiveTalkRadio dot net. And I, I need to caution everybody because the beginning of this story is not exactly what we would term to be positive talk material, but the end of the story is well beyond what we would call positive talk. And uh, we've got a wonderful author here, but I'm, before I introduce her. I want to set the stage for you because some of you may not know that uh, um, World War II, we just had our anniversary of our entry into World War II 80 years ago. And so consequently, uh, some of you may not be aware of what was happening in Berlin in the Second World War and all the things that, of course, Berlin was the capital of Germany. And that's where Adolf Hitler was when he was uh, uh, found and he had killed himself. But uh, Berlin um, was sectioned off because the uh, Soviet Union at that time, the USSR, had come in from the east and the allies, led by uh, George Patton and others, came in from the west. And uh, they the west never made it to Berlin. But in the negotiations with the USSR, they divided Berlin into a free zone, what we would call a free zone, and the Allied section. And then there also was the Eastern section, which was Eastern Berlin. And uh, so we're going to focus our, our attention with the guests that we have today on Berlin right at the end of World War II. I want to also keep in give you a couple of historical references in regards to what happened in Berlin. Berlin was cut off at one point from the Allies because they were deep inside of East Germany. And we conducted the largest food drop in the history of mankind at that time to Berlin to try and help the people that were on the free zone and they had cut off the uh, access to roads and stuff to get to East Berlin. And that also is the place where, if you recall, John Kennedy was in uh, Western Berlin and he said, Ich ein Berliner. Ich no, bin I, ein Berliner. That, there you go. Ich bin ein Berliner. No, Berliner. And, uh, and the, that was a very large historical moment. And the next major historical moment happened when President Reagan said, Mr. Gorbachev, 
tear down that wall. That all was happening in Berlin. And the guest that we have today, she's written the book From Rubble to Champagne. Her name is uh, Vivian Knabel. Can, is it Knabel? Knabel, you're right. Oh, very good. First time right. Yes. <laughs> very good. I got, I got lucky. Uh, Vivian Knabel, and uh, she's written the book, of course, Rubble to Champagne. She was born, and we'll talk about her uh, a lot this hour, because she was born right at the tail end of World War II. Berlin had been severely, and I mean severely, bombed by the Allies and also by the uh, by the Soviet Union in the attempt to uh, get uh, Germany to uh, surrender, which they didn't until um, until Hitler actually took his life. And so, the people that were there lived in absolute horrible conditions because the buildings were all burned out. Um, a lot of people have been killed in Berlin and so forth. And that is the, where we're going to pick up the story with Vivian because she was just a baby at the end of the war, but she had a single mom and she had, uh, lived uh, basically on the streets of, if they were called that, they were a bunch of rubble at that time. Vivian, welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you, Kevin. I'm fine. Thank you for having me here. Well, thank you for so much for being here because, you know, one of the things that we want to talk about is that World War II happened a long time ago. And in many cases, the history has been lost or not, not carried forward by people that are a lot younger than that. And so they don't necessarily recognize how desperate a situation a child would find herself with a single mom in the, on the streets of West Berlin at that time. That must have been fairly horrific for you. Yes, that was very tough. Uh, you know, cold and hunger was a constant, and uh, everybody just tried to survive. It was very tough for my mother because I was an illegitimate child, but she was fiercely devoted, uh, <clears throat> a fiercely devoted mother, and she did a lot to keep us afloat. You know, she worked in the black market uh, just to get uh, food on the table. It was very tough at that time in Berlin. I was born 1943 in the epicenter, which is Berlin. And uh, that was uh, that was under Nazi rule. Tough to be uh, an illegitimate child, condemned stateless. With other words, I had no country because you are what the father is, according to German law. And since I had no father, I was condemned. I was deemed stateless. <clears throat> so I belonged to no country. There was I had a lot of strikes against me. And it was really, it was tough. And you grew up there until you were a teenager. And you were... Yes. You you were living in that that difficult situation even though the allies were trying to help with food drops and with that sort of thing thank god kevin yes thank you for america i have to say i would not be sitting here um they dropped the food in 1948 there was the blockade and uh, there was the airlift and uh, this is how we got food i mean we were totally uh, uh, isolated yeah, because if you look on a map of Germany, uh, Berlin um, was deep inside of East 
Germany, which was controlled by the Soviet Union and, and the yeah. communist bloc. And so they, they didn't let anything, for in 48, they didn't let anything go in or out of Berlin. And the only way to get food there to save people from starvation was, like I said, the United States did the largest food drop in the history of mankind at that time. There may have been others after that, but at that time it was a huge endeavor and uh, and they were able to get you the food that you needed to survive, and you were there all the way till you were a teenager. But then you you uh, uh, somehow how did you end up in uh, in Canada? Well, uh, my mother um, uh, met up with an old school friend after the war who had been uh, incarcerated in Siberia for five years, and he survived that. And um, they met up after the war. And so my, he came, she brought him home. She said, now you have a father. And I was delighted to have a father because I always wished for a father. And he uh, sewed clothes for us and saw that we had food on the table. But things were still very tough. Everybody was still, you know, um, much needed to be done. So they decided to um, immigrate to uh, Canada. Uh, to the life they called it the, the land of milk and honey they called it and for a better for a better life the typical immigrant story and in order for them to immigrate they had to get married so they got married and uh, he went ahead and we followed and uh, we thought everything is going to be great now but uh, the first year was not good because he could not find work he was a custom tailor did not speak English. And uh, so it was very tough the first year. And we went hungry, hungry again. And so my mother took me by the hand and we walked into a church and explained our plight to the priest. And uh, he handed us $35, I remember. I explained in my broken English, my mother could not speak English. And I only spoke some. And uh, he gave us the $35. And my mother went out and bought staples like rice and flour you know for to last us a little longer and then uh, um, i uh, when i turned 14 i asked my mother uh, if i could not go out and work because i wanted to help support the family and uh, she obtained a special permit for me to um, uh, work because of that child labor law that uh, you had to have a special permit and i landed a job for a dentist, working for a dentist. And I thought this is going to be a dream job because he told me he would uh, um, train me to become his dental assistant. But <clears throat> I worked very hard there. And uh, one day, you know, in the morning, I cleaned the office. I did all the work. And by noon, I had a little white cap on and a little white nurse's uniform. I looked developed. I already stepped into my own beauty. And I did not look my age. And one day, uh, one of his friends came in. He must have been in his 14, 40s, and I was 14 only. And uh, he sexually uh, assaulted me. And uh, I uh, struggled very much uh, because I was only 14, very innocent. Uh, whether I should tell my boss or not, it was so embarrassing. But I um, had the courage. I did tell him because I did not want him to return it you know, uh, make that attempt again. And uh, he was on my side. My boss was on my side. He became irate. He said, 
that man will never come into the office again and so on and so on. But I told my mother and my mother said, you have to leave. So I left that uh, uh, office and then I worked at a five and 10 cent store and behind a lunch counter making sandwiches with care and heart and uh, actually enjoyed it because I like to be around people. And I always had that feeling I wanted to serve. I always wanted to, to serve. So um, make people feel good. And I, it, like I said, I put my heart and soul into those sandwiches. But I also realized I needed to, in order to improve my station in life, I would have to learn. And I went to night school and I uh, learned how to type and stenography. And uh, then eventually got a job. There was a uh, position in the paper uh, for Volkswagen sales and service, you know that iconic car dealership. Oh sure, and and, and by the way, I want to I want to remind everybody that in those days, uh, she worked in a in a five and dime store. That everything things were actually a nickel and a dime in those days. Yeah. So that it wasn't a misnomer. It's like the dollar store now, where they don't have stuff that's for a dollar that's another story but uh um in, in those days you, you know nickel candy was actually a nickel and stuff yeah. so so and then, but then but then what was it and let me stop you at this point in your story yeah. because what was it in this part of your life because you kept on going forward you didn't quit you didn't you know and i know there was some moments of depression for you but you that overcame later. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah, that late, the depressions came only at the age of 17. Oh. That was when I slipped into severe depression um, uh, um, at the age of 17 when because I've always had an incredible willpower and wanted to do right, wanted to do well and succeed in, in, in life. And everything seemed to not work. You know, I, I had that job at, at uh, the Volkswagen dealership up in an, an office with uh, just older women. There was no camaraderie, no connection, and I slipped into deep depression. And I got that, uh, I, I came to a point where, you know, as young people, they think, oh, life is never going to change. It's going to stay that way. Well, life isn't static. It will change, but you don't realize that when you are when you are a young girl you know you don't don't see it and well when so you're 17 I, you don't recognize much of anything because you're yeah, exactly know, 17 exactly and i had bought a purchased a used car um uh, used a, a car and uh, rented in a duplex a garage and i heard somewhere that uh, when you uh, start the motor and close the garage door uh, the carbon monoxide would render you unconscious and you would drift to your ultimate end. And that is what I intended to do. And miraculously, my life was saved. It was a miracle the way I see it. A little girl uh, came in and she asked me, what are you doing? As I sat in the car with the closed garage and the motor running. And I s immediately stopped the motor, opened the garage door and I said, you know, I'm going to wash my car. And she slipped off blissfully, unaware that she had just saved my life. And then I just picked up uh, uh, courage and held on to the glimmer of hope and went on with my life. And uh, eventually, 
there was a position open at Volkswagen for a service a secretary for the service manager. And I applied for it since I knew how to, you know, I learned stenography and typing. And I got the job immediately and worked there and was, uh, became uh, more, one could say, felt more self-assurance and felt better. And then at the age of 20, a man walked in and bought a Porsche and he became my husband. And from then on, my, la- my life turned completely around. He believed in me and he, uh, he uh, always encouraged me to further learn and grow. I learned to uh, pilot a plane. I helped him in his business. I ran a marathon all because he pushed me uh, uh, to go into, he, he said, you can do this, you can do this. He was always the wind beneath my wings. And one person can change your life. It's, am- it's amazing. So now, was that uh, um, was that a, a car dealership promotion that they were doing? Coming and buy a car and get a wife? <laughs> yeah, it seemed like it. <laughs> that is uh, hilarious. Yeah, and we've been married for fifty-seven years, and it's been a beautiful, beautiful marriage. It's it's a truly a love story. That that is that is awesome, and I know that that uh, he's he may be listening now, and uh, uh, he's he's with you at home, and he's still doing well, and you're you're working with him, and you know he's he's getting older as we all are, and and uh, but I got to tell you, when you were a kid and you were seventeen, twenty years old, you were quite a looker. I got to tell you. Yes, yes, I uh, I I uh, my mother was a was a striking beauty, and I think I. I got a little bit from my mother, I suppose. But uh, I also take care of myself, and that's what we need to do. We have this one body. We need to to uh, do our best to keep it in shape and to uh, learn and grow and make the best of this life that is given to us, you know. And this book, From Rubble to Champagne, is my gift uh, to my husband's. That was my gift to my husband's 80th birthday for all that he has done for me. And uh, that was my gift back to him. So I wrote this book actually for him and also uh, to help others that feel suppressed and defeated. What do you think it was, that six-year-old? Did you know that girl or did she just wander in off the streets? No, she must have been. You see, I rented this garage uh, from an owner of a duplex and uh, I never met the family, and she must have been the daughter of the owner. But I've never met her before. I never saw her before, that little girl. I think it was just meant to be. I think I'm here for a reason, Kevin. I really sure. believe I'm here to uh, to help others. Of course, of course you and And really, honestly, we all are. Uh, if we choose to participate with with each other and to help each other well that's that's really is our mission in life is to is to treat each other well and to be positive and and to really work together for the betterment of everybody and connect no division and be grateful for this beautiful country that we live in this country has accepted me i wanted to become a citizen of the united states and i became very emotional when they uh uh, accepted me and I also want to give back to this country I owe it to this country this country has done so much for me in 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 the sense of giving me uh, possibilities you know chances how and old were you? people are very open and I just belong here how old were you when you became a citizen 
uh, let's see, that was later on when my husband and I, after we immigrated from uh, Canada to the United States, where my husband went into his own business, and then we decided to become American citizens. And uh, uh, that was very emotional for me. It was a big step in our life. You know what? You know what is kind of sad, and uh, I don't know this for a fact, but my sense is that because uh, when you became a U.S. citizen, there's a class you had to go through, and you had to study, and you had to learn the Declaration of Independence, and you had to learn about the Constitution, and you had to learn the the uh, you know the Pledge of Allegiance, and a bunch of other stuff. I'm willing to bet that that come, becoming a citizen here, you knew more than some of the native-born people about their own country. Well, yes, and but most of all, we as immigrants, we realize we see the potential in this country. You know, you see, when you have been there, when you know what it means not to have, and you come into this rich country and you see the possibilities, you use them. You know, you you make you 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 apply what you can. And you, you, you really advance that way. You, you just have to have determination and persevere. I would like to hard. My book actually pushes people to work hard, better themselves, and always see the beauty, even in adverse situations, see the good, even in adverse situations, because through challenges, we learn, we grow because of challenges. And I would like people that some, especially some younger folks who grew up here and lived here and have had the uh, benefit of a, a real nice life here to recognize that there are part, people in other parts of the country in the parts of the world that don't have all the advantages that we have here. And you should take advantage of everything that you've got because you really truly have the ability to do and become anything that you choose to be if you're willing to work hard enough for it, right? Yes, and I believe society really only owes those that cannot help themselves to help those. But otherwise, if you are strong and you can work, you. I think my my uh, uh, my book is about you know it pushes people to work hard. Like I said, it make them better themselves, and that that is what 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 it is all about. You know. I, my whole life is a demonstration of, you know, what we human beings can go through, cope with, and build for ourselves. You know, you know my I... life started with a tragedy, but, uh, but with, with in time and with the right attitude, it turned into something extremely beautiful, Kevin. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm struck by, by the fact that you, you are who you are and you've become such a positive uh, a ringing endorsement for for positive thinking, and uh, when did you decide to write the book? Well, I decided to do that because of my my I'm for, out of gratitude to my husband, and I was so grateful for all he's done for me. And I always reflected on my life, and I thought, what would have would how how would my life be now without Wieland? Uh, he's just, you know, encouraged me so much, and he believed in me, whereas I. Uh, I was not treated that way. And the only person who I felt where I felt truly loved was in the arms of my mother. My mother was the finest character. She was a, a free spirit and a nonconformist, which made life difficult for us. But she had a heart of gold. She had she taught us empathy and compassion, 
and uh, and uh, I always felt uh, loved in my mother's arms. But otherwise, no. I had a very low self-esteem. I did not do well in school, although I wanted to. Uh, for some reason, I could not uh, follow the concepts of the teacher. But I always wanted to learn. I just had a different pace. And they, they did not care. You know, if you didn't get it right away, they went on and you were left behind. And I was actually... Uh, uh, deemed or condemned dumb to my mother from my teacher. So can you imagine what that does to a psyche of a child? Oh, absolutely. But now I got to ask you, because when you went to Canada, you nor your mom spoke the language. And how long did no, it take? No. Well, I think it took me about a year. I would say about a year. Yeah, about a year. And uh, then I was, because I had a little bit of... Um, um, a little bit of knowledge of the, of the English language and knowledge of the English language through my schooling for school. But altogether, Kevin, I have only eight formal years, eight years of formal schooling. And yet you learn. I learned the hard way. I went through the school of life I ex with my experiences. And, you know, life experiences are more convincing than <clears throat> theory. Everybody knows everything in theory, but I lived through it and I worked through it. And, uh, and uh, so it just shows you that uh, wisdom can be attained not only in the lecture hall or classroom, also going with open eyes and paying attention and doing your best going through life. Well, and your mother served you well in 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 providing and helping you with that the work ethic that you have and and moving you forward. By the way, what happened to her? Where where was she? Well, my mother, they all followed like the the cousins, the aunts and uncles and cousins. They all followed to Canada, to Montreal. That's where we started out, and then they eventually moved to Toronto. So they are all in Toronto, and my mother. Uh, lived in Toronto until her um, passing when she was 90 years old. But I had the chance to give back to my mother. I invited her several times a year to come out here to California, to beautiful La Jolla, where I now live and thrive. <laughs> and uh, I did uh, took her on trips and I did as much as I could for my mother to uh, and make her feel good, and she was very happy around to be with me all the time. Well, she lived to be 90, so you got quite yeah. a long time left. Because... Uh, not that much. I'm now, like I said, I'm now 78, but I'm uh, healthy. Thank God I'm healthy. <clears throat> I'm full of life. <clears throat> I'm I, uh, strong, and I have a lot uh, yet to do. I have still a lot to do. You know, I think and it's I all... love life, and I think I think we really need to reinforce, you know, the preciousness of life. You know? Absolutely, and and I think it's wonderful that your your husband took it upon himself to help you and to provide you with a vehicle for you to be able to do all sorts of things in your life, yes. including learning yes. how to fly and doing other stuff. What other things have you done in your life? Well, I. I, uh, the things that I felt were an, were an accomplishment were helping in, in the business, <clears throat> learning to fly, and also running a marathon, I thought. But I did other things. I did uh, modeling and, and all that. But I, that was never really my thing, but I did it. I did many other things. 
But uh, the meaningful things were really the uh, helping my husband in his business and and uh, also learning and growing for myself and being where I am today. Absolutely. So you were a model, huh? Yes, I was a model. You didn't like that? No, I actually I have a great sense of beauty and sense of style, but uh, it I think I wanted something more, something more uh, deeper. You know, something more meaningful, I think. But I still, you know, it's not that I'm all, always only deep. Yes, uh, this is my driving force uh, to, to live a meaningful life. But I also like the sweet foolishness of life. I like to have fun, and but this is not my driving force. I, I get it. So when you like to have fun, what do you do these days? Well, I, t I invite my sister from Toronto, who is a widow, <clears throat> and uh, I invite her to go on cruises with us, with either with Wieland, with my husband and I, but my husband is kind of, uh, you know, he is uh, now, of course, he's ill. He has severe uh, uh, liver disease and heart disease, but we used to take her along on cruises together, and sometimes now I take a cruise uh, for seven days with her, or she comes, she comes three times a year, she comes to visit me, and we have a good time here, you know, just... Also, just reflecting on our lives, we enjoy the same things. We are both immensely grateful uh, to have the kind of life we have now. You know, we have don't have to duck for bombs. We don't have to. We have a roof over our, over our head and uh, uh, so many luxuries. And I'm just, I'm just, I'm telling you, Kevin, I'm profoundly grateful. I have a profound sense of gratitude. You know, and one of the reasons, uh, Vivian, and I wanted to have you on. By the way, we're talking with Vivian Knable. She's got a book out that you got to go get. It's called From the Ru From Rubble to Champagne, and it really is a story of her life because she started her life at the end of World War II in Berlin, which was a heavily bombed-out place, and uh, she has uh, survived. She survived all of that. She survived going to Canada, and she's doing really, really well. So go get the book. Um, from rubble to champagne, and you have a website too, right? Where where, where can they go find yes. you on the website? VivianKnable.com. dot com. I what I'm saying. Willie, Willie, um, Vivian Knable, uh <laughs> That's my <laughs> what's my web? I don't don't have it in my head now. Oh, let's At, see. Wait a minute, Vivian. Do you have it? I think you should have it. I do. I don't it, have it in front of me. It is VivianKnable.com, and that is K-N-E-B-E-L.com, and you can go um, get that book, and, and you can read more about her story. It really is an incredible story because, uh, you know, we, we in this country, we've, we've the last time that there was really meaningful, yeah, there was Pearl Harbor in, in, in Hawaii, then the time before that was the Civil War, that uh, there's been significant fighting here and uh, death and destruction, and to to grow up in and amongst that in Berlin would have been would have been just horrific. And I'm so proud of you that you have uh, done you, what Kevin. you've done. So give Thank us you, give Kevin. us you're you're now and you're now an experienced life traveler. Give us a, yes. give us some positive thoughts about 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 life and how you uh, have uh, persevered to get to where you are today. Well, I think number one, I think it's first of all love. I think uh, I've always had love in my heart. I think uh, it it 
makes you feel good at all times, those vibrations of love. And uh, it has no fear. You know, with love, there is no fear. It And it releases blocked energy. I've, and I have... Uh, uh, it's being in harmony with life. I have to be in harmony with life. And love is just that. And I'm immensely grateful, like I said, grateful. You know, when we are grateful, when we give thanks for the good that we have in our life, you know, we, all those negative emotions are replaced with positive emotions. I live gratitude. And uh, so uh, also I, I believe definitely we need a purpose. Purpose is key i think purpose is the answer to everything you know first we have to find out who we really are then we have to find out what we have to do in order to have what we want and we have to kind of search within and find out you know where do we feel most fulfilled most inspired now and when we find that then we will find our authentic self, then that is our authentic self. So purpose is incredibly important. It is important to get up in the morning and say, you know, have a direction, a clear direction and, and, and purpose. And also resilience. Resilience is what I've, I've become very resilient because of the challenges I had to overcome. But, you know, resilient people are those people that can they can overcome challenges and even going through all those trials and tribulations come out with something positive for themselves. Absolutely. So that Very is well what said. resilience is. So, so I uh, would say resilience is incredibly important and also to have the courage. You know, courage, um, I said that once before, you know, when I wrote my book, I opened myself up to everyone. I was very honest. Not everything is very beautiful in the book, what I had to go through. But I was very honest. I did not want to cheat the reader. And uh, it, it is, you are vulnerable when you do that. But it takes courage. And vulnerability is courage. It is, you're, you're, you have the fortitude to, to face fears and challenges. And I always um, look for new things even though I have, uh, you know, even despite of inhibitions, you know, I, I look for uh, to do something new because we are going to make mistakes. You know, it is, it is uh, only normal that anytime you do something, uh, you put yourself out there, that is, you know, error is part of it. You know, oh, it is sure. just a part of learning. Well, and you do... You've done you've done some really cool things, and I just wanted to point out, I, I you know late at night sometimes I don't go to sleep. I will go on the internet and I will look at uh, some stories from people who have had near death experiences. Have that? Have you ever done that? Uh, no, I've never done that, and I didn't even have a near death experience, even though I was going You're to close. take my life. You were going to take your girl, life. Yeah. yeah. That girl had saved me, but I didn't actually go through a near-death experience. I haven't had that. No. Well, the, a lot of people uh, that must a lot be of, interesting. A lot, it is a lot of people that go through it, and they talk, and they are on the other side, and they're talking with their angels and their guides and the folks that are there, and they say that um, when it comes down to life on Earth, 
there are just two things. There's love and there's fear. Everything dark resides from fear, hate, distrust, um, depression, and all, all of those things are fear-based. And then the love-based is what our ideal is for each of us to, and you are a shining example of someone that could have embraced the fear side and you rejected that and you're taking the positive love side and you are living that on a daily basis and you are exuding that. I wish, I really wish that the people that were listening to this show could have the opportunity and actually you can if uh, you go to my independence report i think but anyway you have a beautiful smile you you Thank really you. are honest about who you are and uh and you're very very positive and it's it really is if anybody that i've interviewed in a long time you have got the right i guess or the if you wanted to take it in a different direction, and I know there was a time that you almost took your own life, but you didn't. I think that six-year-old was a gift from heaven because you weren't done and you needed, you were only 20 years old. You had a lot. No, 17. Oh, I was oh, only 17. Sorry. I was a teenager. Oh, sorry. By, by 20, I knew better. <laughs> by like, 20. like I said, Kevin, we need to reinforce the, the, our belief in the preciousness of life. But when you're so young, you, you just don't know much, you know. But when you talk about love, that's very, very, so right. And also, you know, love means no expectations, you know, the expectations. We always, we, I can only love when this is, and, and responsibleness, you know, that's another facet of love, you know, to care uh, for those that in, in our charge, which is the case now with me and my husband. My husband is now in my care and I do the absolute best. And what you put out in life, what you radiate out comes back to you. And my husband had done so much good and it all comes back to him. It all comes back to him. And so I, I think uh, that's very interesting, those uh, uh, experiences that you, you read about there. Um, also the bitterness, you know, how people uh, can forgive and and, and hold on to bitterness. That's the worst thing you can do. It infects your body and mind and keeps it from healing. You know, forgiveness is really a beacon of life in the dark, light in the darkness. It really is a beacon of light. Uh, it, uh, you have to be able to let go. You have to let go, uh, be able to let go. And also, like you said, we have choices. You know, everything can be taken from us any moment, you know, in our life, it can be all taken from us in a moment's notice, but how we cope with it, no one can take away from us. We have a choice how we can cope with it. And I choose to cope uh, in positive with positivity and optimism. And it is amazing. I have my husband still by my side because of that. I think it can work miracles. I couldn't agree with you more, but I can't let the opportunity slide uh, because there's not very often that I get to talk to someone who is of your age that is very, very smart and intelligent because you have lived through the most incredible time in humanity. 
uh, since the beginning of time, we haven't had so much change. When you were a girl, a young girl, it, the, 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 the closest thing that you had to um, entertainment was perhaps a radio, if you could find one, mm-hmm. where, where you lived. And uh, so for the, those of you that are a little younger, you may not remember the fact that television was not available, wasn't even invented at the time. Telephones were on, uh, if you could get one, were generally on party lines and were controlled by an operator. Uh, there's no such thing as uh, VCRs, computers, that, and, and any of that. How do you stuff. occupy yourself? Why would they think young people? Huh? Young people would ask themselves, well, how do you occupy yourself? I know. Well, it's, I, I heard a comedian say one time, uh, what, did, what did you do when you were a kid? And he said, well, we picked up a stick and played with that because that's, we didn't have any of the fancy stuff that they've got today or the video games. or to, to take, So you had to have an imagination. And, and, and in your case, when you were a kid, it was all about survival and it's, being hungry. Exactly. Exactly, Kevin. You just said it. It was survival. It, you were busy just surviving. That, that was it. As a young child, I went with a little pail into the uh, rebuilt department store and asked for scraps for my cat, which was chicken heads and, and fish heads. And uh, I asked for my cat. And I remember uh, the man behind the counter asked, is it really for your cat? You know, that again uh, is a lesson. You should, that is cruelty. That is cruelty because I I asked said it's for my cat because I wanted to put some get some dignity into that situation. I was embarrassed, so that's why I said it was for my cat. Why would you rub rub that in? So I encourage people always uh, have empathy, feel for others. What if I were in your position? You know that is actually the best guideline in life. Is how would would I like others to treat me? You know, treat people the way you want to be treated. That's the best. So simple. You know, it's Absolutely. so simple, but so important to have empathy, I think. But oh, we that's... were busy just surviving, finding wooden boxes, you know, at the, at the market to, to, so my mother could make a fire so we could uh, be a little bit warm. It was tough. So there was no time really to, to, for, to, to uh, complain at all. And I also say to this day, don't depreciate. Don't depreciate. Allow the word perfection into your vocabulary. Because when you depreciate, you don't really sense the beauty of life. I, you know, I'm, Vivian, I, I have to tell you, I, I, I got stuck there for a minute because in my previous life, I was a chicken salesman. And you just said that you collected chicken heads. How the <laughs> heck do you prepare a chicken head to eat it? Oh. Well, let me tell you, I remember eating much. My mother threw them in the in the in the boiling water and cooked them and whatever you can find there on, on meat, you know. It's amazing when you're hungry, you know, and uh, what what you will eat. You know, and that wasn't even the worst. Some people suffered such hunger in, in was it in China or in these countries where they eat the bark from the from the trees, you know, they chew, can't even eat it. They chew the bark from the trees. It's terrible. It's just awful. That's why let us be grateful. Let us be grateful for what we have, you know. And this COVID, you know, broke out. I sometimes wonder if this was not a way for the universe to tell us, hey, stop and think, pause, you know, reflect on your life, find 
you know, what your own meaning, think about your own life and meaning. You know, I think that is that there is a there is a reason for everything. I truly believe that that uh, something good even will come out of COVID that people start to uh, uh, reevaluate. You know, think about what is really important here. What is where are our values, and not run from one thing to another because in this modern world uh, there is an overarching condition. It's called busyness. You know, it's just people run from one thing to another and never pause to reflect on their own lives and meaning. Well, you know, I'll tell you, um, if if you're correct, and COVID is, is, could very well be because so many people have had to change the way that they live their lives because they can't do what they once did. or And, and so many more people are getting sick these days. Um, you know, it's, it's something that, that I'm hopeful that, that will pass soon and it'll go, it'll go back. But this has been, quite frankly, this has been a hell of a lesson for all of us. It, yes. yes. And it's changing so. how we do everything. Yes, I think so. And you know, when I wrote about my, uh, my, my first book, it is about the dark and relevant times of, in human history, but I also write about the beauty and love that is always awaiting all of us. You know, just keep hope alive. And now, like I said, my husband is in this uh, challenges never stop. We are, will always be challenged. You know, there, there, there's we're in a constant, constant cycle of ups and downs. It's just the way life is. That is the meaning of life. Actually, pain and suffering is part of it, and we have to learn to overcome and become strong because of it. And uh, I am uh, so glad that I'm positive and I have this love for my husband and uh, we still find joy and meaning in life, even though he's severely uh, ill. You know, we still find, we don't go there all the time. That's important too, you know, that you don't dwell on the negative. Look, what, what is good here? What, what, not what have I lost, but what do I still have? And the really cool thing is, and and really honestly, I think that it is helping him feel better because of the attitude that you come with Absolutely. to him with and the positivity of it all. I think that it's helping him feel better and, and staying here on the planet longer. Yes, I really do think that. And really, you have to embrace the goodness <clears throat> in every moment in life. And there is there you can find good. You just have to to uh, look for it, you know. I think the greatest value in my second book is really how we deal with this illness in, the, in a way that is positive and, and hopeful with courage and find the good. And because there are people, and if we live long enough, we are going to be confronted with illness, most likely. You know, very few people don't go through life and don't have anything. If they, if you live long enough, you're going to be confronted with it. I want to teach people: this is how you do it. You can make life so much easier for yourself. I, I agree with you 100. percent That's really, it's really awesome that you that you have such a positive view of life after after you know um, 78 years of of being on this planet, and you've seen the best and the worst of it from you know World War II to. Uh, to now and and uh you've 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 had some things go not according to your way but so i gotta ask you how is it and when did you 
turn into the positive, uh, loving person that you are. You had every right not to be. Yes, you had every right to be bitter, and and uh, but I think this is why I wrote my uh, wrote my second book. It's called Lessons Learned in Life and Love. Um, uh, it's the I show the wisdom of the great thinkers, the great minds, which I which taught me uh, the direction to go. The, I applied their wisdom. Uh, they gave me the direction, and they helped me make sense of of life of the world. So they helped me and I bought many books and I had uh, one favorite special mentor I call, I've never met him, but I call consider my mentor was Wayne Dyer. And uh, I took his lessons to heart. And even, you know, even now, Kevin, that uh, with my husband, it was touch and go. He, they actually said, you know, he went through a trial research procedure uh, to get his heart uh, 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 operated on, but uh, they, they couldn't do it any other way, and he was accepted. And I was so grateful that, you know, that he uh, that turned out to be a, a good thing for him. But uh, I, at that, I was young. I was must have been around thirty-five when I bought my first book from Wayne Dyer, and it was about, uh, I think it was called "Pulling Your Own Strings." And uh, you know how you always say in every love song, they say, oh, if I lose you, I, I will die. I cannot live without you. Well, that's the wrong way of thinking because life is precious. And even if you lose a loved one, life has to go on. You are needed. You know, life is valuable and you are needed in family and there's much to do. So you must say, I will miss you terribly. It will hurt. It must hurt horribly but i will go on you know absolutely will go on life is precious and uh, so i think uh, i learned a lot in that respect too but all the wisdom all that they've taught me i've i've learned all this from my from the philosophers and i dug deeper and deeper and uh, and the more i read the more i learned and the more i lived by it and it works kevin but you cannot just read about it. You have to apply it. You know, if philosophy is only philosophy, you know, if it's the awareness of, of the rituals and teachings of the experts, if you don't apply it, nothing will come of it. You know, you, you know, have to apply it. I, I tell you, Vivian, I'm very, I'm very pleased that I have been able over time. Now, Dr. Dyer was unfortunately one of the people that I wasn't able to interview, but I was able to interview people like Neil Donald Walsh, and uh, um, Gary Zukov and and a host oh. of others, Marianne Williamson, and a host of others that are, are really positive thinkers that are trying to shape the the world as we move forward through it. And and I would, you know, I dare I say it, I I find that you're one of those. You're one of the Thank people you. that are, are, are a beacon of light, and you're interested in helping people to the light and to get out of the hate division and fear mostly thank fear. you for seeing that uh, ken thank you for seeing that because that has to come from within you know yes. that has to come you cannot help anyone until you yourself understand you've become whole when you've looked into the true nature of y your own true nature only then will people listen to you and your words will have convict carry conviction otherwise you cannot help anyone. 
you know, so I, I learned it's, it's definitely a wisdom from within. I, I, it's very authentic and I, I apply it to help others. I apply it for in my own life in, Hey, if you only listen, if you only do this, you can have a life that is meaningful, that you will, you can flourish. And that Every is the, 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 the greatest wealth to have a life you know, that to have this awareness and this peacefulness of a fully realized and lived life, that is wealth. And that if you can, if you on the last day that you get to be on this planet, if you can say, and I, I really encourage everyone to do whatever it takes to go within and to bring out your best self, because I want you to be able to say on your last day on this planet, I did, I loved I cared. I made it happen to the best of my ability and uh, that you leave nothing on the table and you have no regrets. That's exactly. A, that's a life yeah. well lived. That is a very good advice, uh, Kevin. And uh, that is also the quality of your end then. When you know you've been a good person the, and you've been loving and you're surrounded by the people that, that respect and love you, that is the quality of of your your last moments by the way i have to tell you again we've been talking to vivian knabel and she has the book out which is a uh, rubble to champagne she's also got a second book which we need to talk about the next time that we're together which the name of that title is um, um lessons learned in life and love living with intention and the wisdom of great minds I, I wish we, I I did not see that in your in your bio. I we would have talked a great deal more about that. So we have to have you back. Will you come back and we talk about that one? Absolutely, I'd love to talk about it and help others. This is my mission. This is why I'm here. Awesome. Now we've got like a minute and a half, and so I'm going to give you like a minute to tell our audience anything that you would like them to know about anything. Well, I'd like them to number one. Again, I keep saying it, be glad, appreciate that you live in this beautiful country that has so much to offer. Yes, there are problems, but it's still better than anywhere else. And also keep in mind, let's unite, let's unite, because in unity, there is strength. It hurts me to see that this country is divided. And I, I want so much for people to unite we have strength in unity and also take to heart the, the, the read go out buy books from the great minds and philosophers read what they have to say find something good if it's even one takeaway that will make your life better you have already won and remember just remember we are all one we are all one spirit. We all come from the same place. So you need to treat each other as your brothers and your sisters. Uh, Vivian Knabel, it is great to have you here. Go to VivianKnabel.com and get her books and, and contact her. She's, she's a lovely lady. You, she would love to talk to you, I'm sure. Yes, of course. I would love to help anyone who likes to share their thoughts and has a problem. I would love to help them. 
And I want to thank everybody for being part of the show today. Go to myindependencereport.com. Go to uh, positivetalk.net, and uh, you can find some really cool material there. Thank you so much, Vivian, for being with us. And uh, thank you, everybody, for uh, hanging out with us. And remember, take care of each other because, you know, each other's all we got.